What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Matt Report Podcast. Super excited to introduce to you today Jack McDade from Statomic. That's Statomic. It's a flat-filed static CMS, if you haven't caught on to that yet, and found it to be an interesting alternative to WordPress. And I know a few folks in my Twitter stream have talked about it before. That's actually how it got on my radar, and I reached out to... Uh, to Jack to say, hey, let's talk about how you compare this to WordPress and how you see WordPress evolving. And is it a good time to be running this business? Uh, you know, I guess the short answer is uh, yes. <laughs> He's found uh, some exceptional uh, good traffic coming from folks looking for an alternative to WordPress, especially in these, uh, well, these last couple of weeks for sure, but with the introduction of Gutenberg and just how the whole ecosystem is evolving. Um, he's created something pretty powerful and he's launching sort of a marketplace for themes and add-ons himself for this uh, Statomic CMS. So, hey, if, if you're looking for new business opportunities, this this might be one of them. Uh, but super smart guy, like what he's built here. And it's, it's just an interesting ride, an interesting perspective uh, to see how one looks at the uh, the WordPress ecosystem from afar. So hope you really enjoyed this episode. Go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, we're trying to hit that 200 five-star review mark. That would be amazing. Let's get into the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Matt Report season eight. And you're well aware of this season's story arc. It's, it's the change of WordPress. It's things that are evolving in the WordPress space, both business, product, and software. And boy, do we have a doozy today jack mcdade jack welcome to the program hi thanks for having me all right so you put out let me let me frame this to the listeners on how i've stumbled upon you no technical pun intended yes um, please. go for it lots of folks that i follow in the wordpress space on twitter you know for lack of a better phrase have jumped ship <laughs> you know because because of this whole gutenberg thing and because of their distaste for some of the the management around the software and generally the the market out there not everyone's knocking on the door for wordpress anymore and i've seen people you know saying that i'm jumping to new cmss i'm trying out new things and your product is one that keeps coming up on the radar is it good times for you right now with all this stuff happening it, it's definitely good times. Yeah, I, I mean, if you were to draw a chart of like traffic, interest and revenue to the announcement of Gutenberg and the fact that there's no going back, it's like hockey stick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that we throw AdWords against Gutenberg specifically, but, you know, that's fine. <laughs> so let's 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 tell the listeners what product it is. It's stat amic, static and dynamic stuffed together into a CMS. Did I say yes. that right? Statomic. Yes. Statomic. There's, there's an uh in the middle of <laughs> the two words that exist. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, and you can get it at statomic.com. Um, not your typical free download, WordPress-y type of flair. You purchase a license. You get the support. Looks like you're building out a marketplace now. Where you have what I'll say, themes and plugins, uh, which is very similar to a WordPress uh, concept. Um, site looks great. I'm really interested to learn more about this today. So how did you come about this idea? When did it dawn on you that said, you know, we're going to build our own CMS? Yeah. Uh, also, don't build a CMS. <laughs> after <laughs> I after having done this a, for seven years. I too built a CMS advice, once. Right? I, mean, I feel like as a developer, at some point, you're bound to make one. Right. Even if it's just for that one special site. But uh, back in 2011, 2012... I was doing a lot of CMS work. I was doing mostly expression engine stuff. I've always 
I've, I've never felt WordPress was the CMS for me because I couldn't structure my content in fields the way and like my data schema, like the way I felt like I should be able to and never was able to pull that data apart and have control of it. So WordPress, you know, obviously there's advanced custom fields and there's a lot of plugins and solutions that solve that. But as it's as a core offering, it's just one giant blob of text and one giant table full of blobs of text. And that just felt wrong to me. So uh, I did a lot of expression engine work and the there was no problem with expression really at the time until the site was launched and you wanted to kind of make changes and updates to it. And just like every other CMS, once all that content's in the database and you're trying to work with variations of it and work on site and development and how do you get those changes back up without taking the site down and copying the database and you know that whole dance between like take the site down, copy the DB, update the DB or manually recreate changes in production. It just, I felt like there had to be a better way and we still don't have good ways of versioning database content. I mean, there's like migrations and stuff that are better, but uh, I thought, all right, well, what if we could build a CMS the way that you're used to with all the tools that you need in a CMS, but store everything in files so you could version control it with Git. I mean, that was, that was like literally the idea. I said, you know, hopefully we can get as close to feature parity as possible, what you need in a quote CMS, uh, but let's do it without a database anywhere nearby and see what happens. There are other CMSs out there that were born from people's direct experience, uh, notably ghost.org, uh, mm -hmm. with John O'Nolan, who obviously had some deep ties to WordPress and Automatic and the ecosystem and the culture. Did you spend any time using WordPress at all and, and pull bits and pieces of what you liked from the platform? Or was it mostly Expression Engine and maybe some other custom stuff as you moved along? Yeah, it was mostly Expression Engine. I just... I never like got the light bulb moment with WordPress. I never understood how I could start with my static HTML CSS mockup and just like hook it up in WordPress. I felt like I had to go the other way where I had to hack, you know, an, an existing site apart because of the, the requirements with how you had to loop through the data and how you had to name your files. Like, you know, you had the, the URL patterns were already sort of defined for you based on like categories and tags and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Uh, I'm sure it's evolved since the last time I've really worked with it, but I didn't really pull anything out of it at all because I never really liked it. Hmm. What is the big, so one of the things that we hear in the WordPress space and as a product developer, because that's mostly what we talk about on this show, product development, marketing, business, that kind of thing. We'll talk about the technical stuff, uh, but the, the concept of running a business and reaching customers is paramount to the show. That is a particular challenge for WordPress, as big as it is, um, mm -hmm. with WordPress.org and WordPress.com, end user confusion. If you don't know this, if you're not in the space, it's right. like, what, what, what am I getting here? It's .org, it's .com, which path am I supposed to pick? Who owns, who owns WordPress with air quotes? Um, and general marketing of like, everyone says, this is a great platform to use. And then, you know, an end user gets to it and they're like, oh my God, I don't even know what to do with this thing. How do you bridge that gap uh, in terms of brand awareness and just getting the average user, if you will, onboarded? Uh, or do you not focus on the average user and your, your user is somebody quite different? Um, I'm happy to explore that too. Sure. Yeah. Our, our primary user that we market to directly is developers. So in that, like WordPress tries to, I think to a lot of degree, successfully market to both sides. They have developers and they have non-technical users who have a mouse and they want to click their way to a website, right? 
if you want to click your way to a website, you cannot do that with Statomic. That's, there really isn't any way to do it. You're going to have to write some code somewhere, touch some file with an ex extension that you're not familiar with if all you do is click with a mouse, right? I mean, it might be a, a, J a JS file, an HTML file, a PHP file, a YAML file, whatever. Uh, but our, our core audience that we focus on is the developer and primarily agencies who build lots of websites, right? So if you're going to build 25, 50, 100 sites for clients and maintain those for people. Statomic's fantastic because with it being all completely fat file, you can share configs between sites, you can version control and you know maintain those sites in a way that's a whole lot easier than having all those databases. And you can have multiple people working on the team easier by forking and you know branching and pull requesting content changes and config changes and theme changes and all that kind of thing. So I would say, uh, you know, to the, to the original question, how do we market to those people? Like we primarily market to the developers and explain to them, like our pitch is you're going to be more productive. You're going to be more efficient and it's going to be easier to maintain these sites ongoing. And we, we have a, our secondary audience would be the people who's really the, the end users who are going to end up owning the site, but they've never heard of it. So you you go to XYZ agency and they say, Hey, we, we want to build you a Statomic site. Like, oh, I thought we were going to do WordPress. I'm like, no, it's going to be Statomic because these reasons. And then they go Google it and they find it. And so we have content around the site that kind of explains why Statomic and shows you pictures of Statomic. So they go, oh, this looks like, this looks kind of like, I guess, WordPress. I, I don't remember. This looks fine. And then kind of assuage them and just kind of reduce that that fear, that risk. You go pretty hard against WordPress on the copy <laughs> on the site. I feel like it, no other CMS really pits their solution. I don't think this is a bad thing. I think this is a yeah. smart thing. And I think this is something that, in fact, product creators inside the WordPress uh, ecosystem should do a lot more of to position themselves against, let's say, other contact forms or other e-commerce solutions. I think, I think when we're in this WordPress bubble, we're all a little too easy on our, on, on each other. Like, it's great. Mm -hmm. We have WordCamps. We go to meet these people and we're friendly. And although we maybe compete, uh, we just don't really draw hard lines to say, here's what makes me different than, you know, if I was Ninja Forms competing against Gravity Forms. We sort sure. of stay away from that, um, which I think we have to be doing a lot better job of in the future. Um, and I think you do it pretty well to position uh, Statomic against WordPress, but not in an over-the-top way. It's not like you're bashing WordPress. Mm -hmm. You might get to the edge on some of them, but that's okay. I, I, I get a little bit close when we're talking about, you know, how many sites on the internet are hacked and 90% of them are WordPress and that kind of thing. But that is a genuine concern, and that's something sure. that every WordPress, you know, uh, add-ons provider or client or agency or whatever has to deal with is, like, how do you, main, how do you address that elephant in the room, right? So um, I, I'm curious when you... You know, developers and agencies, great target market, um, you know, easy to build some sales collateral and just a sales pitch to and answer general questions. Do you ever get the agency who is like, sell us on Statomic? Like we want to move away from WordPress and, and how do you approach that? Yeah, I get that email almost every day. I, uh, it's always a, a variation of it. So I don't reply with a canned template or anything, but I mean, a lot of it comes down to what their needs are and how, if, if they're talking to us, they already are, they've already decided that Statum, or that WordPress maybe doesn't serve all of their needs. And so they're trying to find something that reduces a pain point or that in, increases productivity. And so usually I just address whatever that, that problem is. And it might be, you know, it's really hard to maintain all these sites or with the Gutenberg change, 
we want to take this opportunity to look at other options to see if maybe they would fit better than reworking our whole workflow, you know, to work with Gutenberg. And so, you know, just kind of address those one at a time, just talking about how, you know, on a, on a core level, Statomic has a lot of the features in core that WordPress uh, has as paid add-ons. So yeah, Statomic's not free, but by the time you add your form solution and your caching solution and your search solution and your backup, you're over, you're over our sticker price of $199 per site anyway. Mm-hmm. And those are, a lot of those are recurring charges and Statomic isn't. You know, we might do an upgrade fee to go from like two to three. We're not actually. So maybe from three to four, uh, there may be like a $50 upgrade charge, but it's optional. Right. And, you know, I think by just addressing those needs and talking about how Statomic can do those things that WordPress does, but in a way that will give you either more control or will reduce the pain, I think it ends up being a pretty easy sell as long as the client doesn't go, yeah, I wanted WordPress. Yeah, I just want it. I just, sure. I just have to have it. Sure. Uh, speaking of price, statomic.com slash pricing, $199 for a single site license, $895 for a uh, master license. license. Um, that includes the master one gets you five licenses, right? And for one full year gets you 20% off all additional uh, statomic licenses. So it's not a recurring unless they want to continue with updates. Is that correct? Right, exactly. So it's a discount program. You buy a five pack, you get a 10% discount. Then as you build more sites, you know, in the course of a year, you get an even bigger discount. Sure. And it doesn't recur. So if you decide, well, we needed five, maybe six sites, and that's it, because we're building a little network, or, you know, that's about our pace, there's no recurring charges. And, you know, as a, as a user, someone who buys software, I don't actually want to have subscriptions. I, I, you know, every time I sign up for one, I go, a little part of my (laughs) credit card and budget is like, now there's a line item that will live here for the rest of eternity, possibly. Uh, And so I, I would rather just buy the software outright and not have to think about it again and not worry about, well, if I stop paying for it, if my card goes on my, you know, if my card expires, will my website go down and all of that, you know, with a one-time price, it's, Honestly, it's not best for us. If we had a recurring subscription, it would be better from you know a revenue consistency standpoint. But I've just stubbornly for the last seven years decided I'm going to pick the decisions for the customer and put them first and just hope that at the, at the end of the rainbow, we're still in business. And so far, it's worked. It's been a slower play. We could have grown faster. We started building Statomic around the same time as Ghost, and they went open source and got all these, all this funding. And we're just eking away at, you know, $1,500 a month, $2,000 a month and slowly growing. But over time, things compound and we're still here. Yeah. I want to get into that right now. Um, what did pricing look like when you first launched? Cause that's always like, you know, that's always like one of those case studies where you look back and you're like, oh, I was charging 20 bucks. That was, you know, that was like the stupid. <laughs> Literally thing. $29. Uh, so we, what we did was by the time, or when we started, we were the only flat file CMS that I could find. There was this open source thing, Stacy. It didn't really do a whole lot. And so it wasn't a great analog. But by the time we finished and got out of beta, Kirby was around. And so Kirby priced themselves, I believe, at $59 or 59 euros or pounds. I forget with Brexit and whether they're Germany or England. I don't remember. <laughs> um, it's 59 somethings. And so we decided, all right, what we're going to do is I don't want to, I don't want to under overprice anybody. So we had a personal license for you know, for non-commercial work at 29 bucks. And then we had a professional license for commercial work at 99 bucks. So we kind of straddled that price point. 
And the mistake with that was that everybody just bought a personal license and used it for commercial purposes. And because we don't remote shut sites down, we couldn't stop it. So that initially exploded our sales. We had tons of people using it and liking it. And then support load was like a giant tidal wave and the revenue <laughs> wasn't there. So it was, you know, the, the V1 days were rough. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and now you're getting into... Uh, a marketplace solution and mm-hmm. uh, like you said ghost you've seen ghost and I think a lot of people who are in the similar seat as you like you know people who are listening who have built let's say a contact form plugin but had never not seen the same kind of growth as uh, you know the big top dogs like a like a gravity or a ninja um, same thing with like pop-up form plugins and things like that uh, what is your take uh, I mean I'm sure you might have people knocking on the door saying hey maybe looking for some investment. I mean, what does that mm-hmm. look like? And how do you hunker down to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stay right on this path for now to keep yeah. things going the way they are. Uh, I just got a call. What's today? Wednesday on Monday, I got a call from someone out in the Valley saying, Hey, we're looking at products investing and we found yours and you look really cool. You want to talk? And I know exactly because I've had this call like a bunch of times and it always goes the same. They talk about numbers. They talk about audience size. And I say, how many thousands of people? And they're like, Oh, this all sounds really good. And then they pause because like, they're clearly like reading our website while we're talking. And they go, <laughs> uh, so I see that this is a per site license thing. Is this not a SaaS? And I go, nope, that's not a SaaS because we believe the end user should own the software so that they can have a website that's theirs. And they go, oh, um, well, if we're ever in New York, I'd love to have coffee with you. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I could say, well, I'm in upstate New York, so good luck. It's plus three hours. Right. But, uh, <laughs> But, you know, have a great day. And I'm not saying that there wouldn't be someone who would invest in Statomic. And I'm not necessarily saying I wouldn't ever be interested in it. Mm -hmm. But we've decided to just power ahead without that. And we've gotten to a point now where, you know, we've got a team of a couple people and we're full time on it. And, yeah, it's been a long road. But, you know, we didn't have that flash in the uh, flash in the pants, maybe not the right term. But we didn't grow so fast that we had to scale really quickly and then before we found product market fit and then had to start shedding employees once we finally figured it out. We've been growing slowly and adding slowly to the team. And it's been, you know, I don't want to say lifestyle business because there's negative connotations with that, but I like having it be a slower pace. It's not a Silicon Valley company, but we have big people using Statomic and, you know, that makes me happy. Yeah. One of the things that I... A term that I like to throw around, and you may or may not agree with it, is I, I'm a big believer in the blue-collar digital worker. Like, I feel that mm. there is going to be, if not already, and in, in, in my mind, you are a case study in that and the, the work that I've done and so many of my peers do, where we're, we're building software, fair <laughs> price, you know, family, you know, quote unquote, family owned company. Like this is, this isn't Amazon, Google. It's not a faceless brand. Um, you're not trying to own the world and not that Mm -hmm. owning the world isn't, is a bad thing, but that's just, that's not the mission at hand here. Um, so I appreciate, uh, that approach. And I know you probably your customers do as well. Yeah. That term doesn't offend me at all. I, I think every developer's probably dreamed about owning a lawn mowing business at some point. That's exactly the business I would run <laughs> right? if I got out isn't of this. That, <laughs> isn't that everybody's example? Is yes. you, just, you look out the window and it looks nice outside. It doesn't right now because <laughs> I'm in New York. But you, when it's nice, you just go, oh, I could, 
I could be on a lawnmower right now yeah. in the sun. And it just seems so much nicer than, yeah. you know, blue light yes. basking across your face. Yeah. yeah. The, the grass is either green or it's dead. There's no like, hey, my neighbor said you should change the shade of that color on that grass. No, no. It's either green yeah. or it's dead. That's it. <laughs> yep. We're not deciding There's anything here. That's it. It's just keep it alive. Cut it down. Done. On the flip side, you look at companies like uh, Shopify, which, you know, started as your um, probably like a boutique CMS for e-commerce. And you've seen mm-hmm. where, they're, where they've gone in huge part because of their marketplace, right? Being able to open up that marketplace and be able to get themes. And, and I think they call them apps um, on, on Shopify um, yep. akin to plugins. Is this is is your new marketplace or the, the thought of the marketplace? Is this the 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 thrust you're hoping to see for the business in the in the coming years? I think it's definitely part of it. I don't think it's going to be the business. I just look at it being as another pillar or a stream of of revenue and growth, both for Statimic and in the community. So, by you know, as we grow, the people who would buy you know add-ons and solutions that we would never build as core. Uh, will will grow and it'll allow people to kind of have their own side businesses or primary businesses in our community. But I don't want it to get to the point where we are sacrificing the core product so that add-on developers can have their corner of the app, right? We want to make sure that the core platform covers really 85% of everything you need a website to do. That's kind of been our, our mark all along. So if most websites have a search form, we need to have search as a feature. If most websites have forms on them, and they do, we need to have a forms feature. And that's how we decide what belongs in there and what doesn't. Do most sites need a Vimeo integration with a built-in player? No. Okay, great. That could be an add-on, that kind of thing. Mm. So we also, uh, the way we architect all the different custom fields and field types make it so that you don't actually need to have an add-on for a lot of things. You can just store a little bit of data and then have it, you know, your JavaScript, you know, jQuery plugin or Vue.js or whatever is on the front end, you know, render that however you need to. And that way you don't have to have as many plugins as, you know, a WordPress site might. Yeah. And just looking at um, uh, the, the the marketplace and just doing a, a quick search on all and most popular um, SEO for an additional mm-hmm. 49 bucks. That looks like the most popular individual um, add-on. And then after that, we have one called Spock, which automatically get push changes from production back to your repo. Next one, Fetch, allows access to content JSON directly to URL, so on and so forth. And the, and the point here is, is that unlike, you know, a WordPress directory that you might land on, it, it will be like SEO, yeah, image sliders, uh, fancy shadow effects. <laughs> you know, yeah, like they're a, almost all layout driven. Right. And we have very little of anything like that because, again, our, our core audience is a developer primarily. And they know, well, I could use the image slider plugin, but oh my God, I have to deal with that markup and I have to deal with it loading, you know, 19 different JavaScript uh, tags in line. I could just store the references to the images I want and wrap my own and do that in a tenth of the time. And so that's the sort of work pl- the workflow that we optimize for is making that as po- as simple as possible for developers. And it works. Now the, the folks who are listening are saying, okay, I mean, great background, sounds like a solid CMS. I'm interested in flat file. I'm interested in this sort of maybe even throwing something into it, a marketplace, or at least knowing that there is a marketplace brewing, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. Now folks want to know, 
Will it run at scale? I mean, what kind of uh, performance have you seen? What kind of scale have you seen out of this? What kind of hosting is one looking at this? Side note, I do work at a managed WordPress hosting company called Pagely, where all we do is manage WordPress hosting. Um, so I am generally curious too, like what kind of hardware, what kind of sites can really power be powered by uh, this software? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. There are a lot of really large sites that run on it and a lot of small ones. Uh, the small ones, really no problem, throw on a $5 DigitalOcean droplet and it'll run forever. Uh, you turn on static page caching and you can handle getting front page by Reddit. It's no problem. Every, you know, everything, once you hit massive scale, requires extra work. It doesn't matter, you know, just no solution out of the box is going to just work by plopping it on one server. But uh, the largest site running Statimic is uh, spiegel.de, the uh, German online news company. And they run something like 9 million records through this for 40 or 50 million uniques. I forget the data. It's just a, a massive, massive scale. And yeah, they have their own tech infrastructure that handles a lot of that by, you know, they use the control panel pushes content into an elastic store repo that they use as a headless CMS, but the, it all plugs right in and then they can run it at scale that and still take advantage of the flat file benefits and they're much easier to back up and to store and version all those changes. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it all depends on your situation. Mm -hmm. I would say if you want to run, you know, stock out of the box on, you know, just on a single server, you'll, you'll find the technical bo bottleneck will be on the amount of content in your site, hmm. just like the sheer volume, number of records and how much text is in them because it's a flat file CMS. So all of that that text content gets generated into uh, like a JSON API, more or less, that we call the stash. It's the content stash, and then we query that. But if that gets too big, we, you know, there's things we can do and we chunk it out and, you know, it gets faster, but there may be points where it will slow down. And, uh, you know, if you turn on static caching, obviously no problem. But uh, yeah, yeah, somewhere around five to 10,000 entries, you'll find technical limitations of running kind of stock without any caching. Sure, uh, sure. There are, you know, we're working on Statimic version three right now, and we have some really cool stuff that I can't talk about yet, but it should basically make that moot. Cool, and version two was just recently released, right? Or was it last year? I thought I saw it on the about page. I think it was 2015, actually. Oh, okay, so few. So it's been out for a couple of years. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, how do you, um, well, before I get to that, uh, let's just talk about features that, you, that you're that you getting lots of requests for. And, and one would imagine, like we just talked about Shopify and where we see WordPress going with WooCommerce, is e-commerce this big thing that you think is something that you're going to tackle or want to tackle or not the kind of solution for you? Yeah, e-commerce is definitely requested a lot. Uh, I feel like that's another whole platform, another app entirely with a different set of skills and experience that at this point, 2019, March 13th, I don't have any interest in doing it. <laughs> you could quote me again in June if the game has changed and yeah. it might be like, you know, it could be different. But right now, uh-uh. It's just not something I want to split my focus on. I want the core product sure. to be as good as possible. So there are some third-party solutions. There's a lot of uh, you know, add-ons that do third-party integrations for stuff like Snipcart and other lightweight cart solutions. And those work pretty well if you're doing stuff like selling t-shirts or digital downloads. Uh, you know, as far as going up directly against Shopify, I don't see that in the cards soon. 
uh, things change over time. I don't know. We'll see. But I would say that wouldn't be where I'd focus yeah. right now. So how, how, how do you filter, f- you know, c- customer feature requests into, say, like a version three? Is it just, do you have, and, and what I'm thinking here in my head is, well, WordPress is great because we have WordPress meetups, we have WordCamps, we have all of these little communities that spiral up around WordPress, and, and this is a great way for developers to suck in some of this feedback. How do you go about it to uh, reinvest into the, into the app? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the feedback comes in uh, either by hanging out in our Discord uh, chat, which has over a thousand people in it, and uh, GitHub, where people just open up issues and ask questions. And we have forums and Twitter. And people, if people have a request, we hear it. We usually hear it multiple times from from multiple sources. And the, you know, the, it's a lot of the same kind of stuff. There's like little tiny requests. Hey, can you make this tag or this little parameter so I can turn this thing off? And you know, that stuff's usually Sure, we'll put it in the next patch. And there's the big stuff like static site generator or, uh, you know, some sort of major integration with something. And those are much more on a case-by-case basis. Mm. But, uh, you know, I think, and if you talk to the people in the community, we do a really good job of trying to incorporate feedback and needs in a way that, you know, isn't always the, the request the way it was asked, but it solves what they're looking to do in a more flexible way. Sure. And ultimately, everybody wins with that. So we have less of these one-offs and more, uh, you know, flexible solutions. I guess I should say. And just side note: how yeah. how has Discord worked for you? I, I I don't see enough people using that as a chat platform, and I'm curious, if, you know, if it's just because Slack is beating everything out, or if they just haven't <laughs> dipped into Discord. Yeah, uh, we had a an open Slack chat for a couple of years, and it it got big. And one of the the biggest problems with that is there's no kind of role moderation at all in Slack. Just everybody's in there doing their thing. They can DM and at everybody. And that was happening a lot. Uh, it's, there's also no invite system into Slack. So you have to use like a third party, you know, API integration. And those things get hacked. We had it hacked early on where they had spam bombed 25,000 people on a list with invites to our Slack <laughs> account. And so, I mean, I spent a week like hand emailing everyone who was angry about that and said so. Like, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> we, fi- we fixed it. I-, I know you don't know what a statomic is. And <laughs> actually, it's probably better if you don't because then you might like talk bad about us. Uh, you know, it's just random email addresses. So, yeah, Slack is not ideal for open communities. Discord's been great. Um, there's, there's role moderation and... Um, there's just a lot of great uh, features around actually growing an open uh, chat. It is yeah. great. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes maybe people have the uh, the whole like gaming stigma around it and the whole like branding of gaming and stuff like that that they are afraid to to use it. But I think a lot of people should uh, should take a look at it for for this kind of. Yeah, thing. it's definitely their branding, but their secondary audience is definitely developers. And if you kind of dig under the hood. They have a lot of like the web hooks and things that you need to integrate, you know, get chat messages and all that kind of stuff. So it's there. I just their branding's not uh, focused on developers, but they're actually supporting them probably because they are developers and they want it themselves. Sure. Um, when I mentioned blue collar digital worker before, a lot of that is in some of the controversy around how WordPress is handled from a leadership capacity uh, from the mm. top down. And one of the things that have come up and, and I've openly criticized WordPress for is not giving enough credit or enough resources for the freelancers, for the agencies 
that really um, drive the adoption of WordPress, right? Uh, mm. There's a mantra from the top that WordPress adoption really comes from the individual user who knows about it, hears about it, and downloads it, or through their own automatic plugin called Jetpack. Uh, and that's how we are spreading that. And then, of course, uh, very large web hosts. But I feel that the freelancers, the consultants, the boutique agencies, and the midsize agencies are really a huge chunk of the success of where WordPress is today. You have your partner's page. People can either hire a partner or become a partner. How important and how do you approach creating the right partners um, through this portal? Yeah, um, it's it's very important. I mean, we get uh, we get a lot of requests for people who find Statomic and they say, hey, this looks really good. Can you teach our team? How do we use this? Or is there somebody we should work with? And so we've taken some time to kind of curate some some people who are really good at at the Statomic experience and we'll take care of them in that way. And, you know, we, we review the way they do contracts and the way they handle, you know, timely feedback. And if the client really wants a logo bigger, are you just going to give that to them because they really need it? And the answer is yes. You know, just try to uh, find some people who will give a really good experience instead of just fend for the wolves. Good luck. Just try Googling. <laughs> right. And, you know, there's a, there's a point where we can't take on too many partners where to you know to the point where there's nobody kind of gets any benefit from it mm. but that's something i see scaling and we may add like a self-service way you know a directory of people who can you know get listed and, and that stuff as the need arrives we we haven't pushed too hard on it uh is that because, because when i don't somebody hi looks mm. to hire you try to find the right fit other than just saying like I don't care what kind of website you're building. Uh, here's 12 partners to talk to. Like you try to say, you're building a publishing site. I know this partner is great for publishers and let's right. hook you up. Yeah, if you're a university, you want to talk to Zangle or if you want to, you know, add-ons, talk to Packetide or whatever, right? So we, you know, we know these people. We have really good relationships with them, you know, have calls with them, talk to their team. A lot of them, you know, some of them are people I've known for a long time, even before Statomic, and others are people who've just been standout uh, developers and teams who have done a great thing uh, for Statomic. And so, yeah, I think it's it's a great way. Uh, it's still kind of early in terms of size and scale, but it definitely, it's something that will naturally scale as, you know, the community and Statomic scales as, as a whole. Do you plan on branching out and starting to do uh, like a, a word camp, but a Statomic camp or in-person mm -hmm. events, that kind of thing. It seems to be all the rage these days. <laughs> yeah, if if you followed us for any amount of time on Twitter, you'll see we probably put a poll up once or twice a year, like, hey, who wants to do it this year? And, <laughs> you know, everyone's like, me! And then they go, oh yeah, we have to finish this feature first. And then it's like, a year goes by. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I definitely want to. We'll call them flat camps because... Nice. Why not? And uh, so, like, come to Flat Camp. How many databases did you lose? How many DBs? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I I would lean heavily into you know the the summer camp style approach and make this something fun and workshoppy and relationship driven and not too big. Uh, but we haven't done it yet, so you know I could say what it would be. But by the time it becomes something, it may change. But I would love to do that if it's especially if it's in a way that adds a lot of value. I don't want to just do it. Uh, to have this big, you know, press event. I don't want to do it to make money. I don't want to do it just to uh, have a vacation. No, I kind of do want to do it just to have a vacation. For free. But other than that, <laughs> you know, I think I think it would be really great. And I, I see that as something that would be a pretty high priority after we get version three out. Yeah. As much as I criticize 
WordPress and being somebody who has made a living from WordPress for nearly a sure. decade now. Yeah, uh, don't knock it too hard. Word, yeah, WordCamps, WordPress meetups, uh, WordCamp US, WordCamp Europe, all of these uh, these uh, uh, events that happen are super beneficial and, and they are great. Yeah. Uh, do, I, do I wish things were slightly different? Yes, um, but uh, I think as a overall, uh, these are huge boons to uh, the community, to the users, to exposure and... Um, and for raising uh, small portions of, you know, uh, they do, um, like they they pay for people to go to the word camps and they raise sure. money for certain organizations and things like that. So I think uh, all in all, it is a it is a good thing. Yeah, I I really hope to be able to do it. Nice. Some some form of in person meetup. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jack, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a pleasure to learn about Statomic. Uh, lots of folks that I know in my Twitter sphere are jumping ship and going to you. So again, that's how I found you. <laughs> uh, I do appreciate uh, the time spent. Looks like an amazing product, something I'm going to try out when um, I have a little downtime to, to dive into something. Um, anything else that you want to leave our listeners with today? Oh, that's such a broad... <laughs> statement <laughs> buy static I mean, buy buy static <laughs> sign up for the sign up for the when you do the trial here i'll give you a, a little secret tip when you do the trial and you download it you get four emails on day four there's a coupon so check that out there oh, you get a discount right. and try that out um i don't know just try it if it's for you great if it's not that's okay uh, ultimately you know i've i want to have an honest, open, and transparent business, and no one solution is always the right one. Uh, so just all I ask is people check it out. Awesome. You can find the Try It Free button. Go to statomic.com. You'll see it right in the top right corner. Try it free. Drop in your email. You get that uh, download. You can try it out. Like you said, fourth email, fourth day, fourth email. You'll get a little coupon code, so check that out. It's matreport.com, matreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. Oh, yeah, Jack, where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Oh, uh, jackmcdade.com or on Twitter at jackmcdade. Um, that's probably the best. Awesome. Twitter. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.